Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. This is our mission statement. Maybe you've seen this before. We're going to put it up, and I want to encourage you to read this with me. Can you read this with me? Becoming and making disciples of Jesus as we gather, grow, and go. See, this sums up everything that we're about, everything that we're doing, and that first word becoming is so important because this is a growing state, right? Just like our bodies grow, just like our minds grow, just like our relationships grow, that when it comes to our relationship, our discipleship, this is an ongoing process, and it's a process of we're both becoming while we're making. See, teachers know that you don't wait until you're an expert before you do anything because if you wait until you're an expert before you do anything, you'll do nothing, How many here feel like they're an expert? Good job, you passed that test. Because one of the old adages is, if I have to tell you that I'm an expert, I've already failed. I'm not an expert because I had to to tell you that. See, it's a process of as we're becoming, we're also engaging, we're pouring out because it is a mutual learning, encouraging, helping shape each other that we go through. And we do that as we gather, we grow, we go. And I want to emphasize this today because it is so tough that most people, they just jump out of it. They, the fallout rate, the, the rate of quitting is just through the roof because it's tough. Because family is tough. That's the word that the Bible often uses for why we come together. It's a family word. And family can be tough. So we need to engage with this. And we need to recognize some of the tough points. And as I was thinking about this and kind of praying about this, a passage of Scripture that came out to my mind was John chapter 8. And it's this interaction that Jesus has specifically with the Pharisees that I'd like for us just to spend a little bit of time. But before we dive in, can we just pray and invite the Lord just to, just to remove every distraction and enable us to hear His voice today? Not mine, but my prayer is that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be His and it would be acceptable to Him. So Jesus, we are all here sitting today because we need to hear from you, amen? We need to hear from Jesus. So Lord, you often use the illustration that our hearts are like soil. So God, if there's any hardness in my soil today, Father, I pray that you would till it, that you would remove the weeds, you would remove the rocks that get in the way because we wanna grow, we wanna be in alignment with you. God, we wanna be about what you're about, which is loving people and discipling people to grow in your ways. So, Lord, speak to us today. God, we're all your servants, and we are listening. We give it to you in your name. And everyone said together, amen. Here we go. John chapter 8, starting in verse 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, he said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins, that means we're out of alignment with God, we're not obeying him, is a slave of that sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, it's Jesus, you are truly free. Yes, I realize that you're descendants of Abraham, And yet, some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. I'm telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are are following the advice of your father. 
Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied, for if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Instead, you're you're trying to kill me because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you're imitating your real father. So they replied, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I'm telling you the truth, Why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. I want to say that again. Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. You don't belong to God. So powerful interaction. But very quickly as we come through, I want to kind of just lightly dive into it, and I encourage you to do a deeper dive on your own personal Bible study. But just very quickly, I want to take these words of Jesus to bring out what he was trying to teach them. It's about discipleship. So what is a disciple? What are we talking about when we talk about discipleship? What is a disciple? Well, one of the things that Jesus did here is he pointed out very clearly that as it relates to discipleship, discipleship begins by believing in God. See, this is important to understand because everything that Jesus did was connected to God. And he was, he was continually connecting himself to God. I mean, in John 5, 19, he said, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And then in John six thirty eight, he says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of the Father. Again, in John 14, he says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own. Instead, it is the Father dwelling in me, performing his works. And then to make it even clearer, in John 10, he says, Look, the Father and I, or I and the Father, we are one. And Jesus went even further because there was this whole, there was this whole, uh, whole effort to, to separate him from God, to say he's not from God, to say he's not connected. But he went even further in that he even addressed the Old Testament because there, there were people who, who say, and even today I'll hear this, probably about every week I hear this. They're like, you know, Dwayne, I'm good with Jesus, I believe in Jesus, but all that Old Testament stuff, you know, I don't really, I don't really believe in that, and, and I just kind of throw that away. I'm just, I, I'm a New Testament, I'm just a Jesus guy. But Jesus said in Matthew 5, he said, don't misunderstand why I've come. I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the writing of prophets. This is part of our Old Testament here. Jesus said, no, I came to what? Accomplish them. 
I came to accomplish them, to accomplish their purpose. So again, Jesus here, he's reiterating the fact that he is directly connected to everything that God has done in the past, to everything that God does today, and everything that he does in the future. He's saying that the Father and I are one to the point where if you throw away the Old Testament, you're throwing away Jesus. You throw away the Old Testament, you ignore the Old Testament, you're throwing away Jesus. The Father and I are one. He accomplished that purpose going through. And this all comes back into what we believe about God. This is where discipleship begins. And as I was going through, just this whole, this whole fact that what we believe about God is so vital, it, it, it brought me back to, again, one of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite authors. I read this every year, and it's A.W. Tozer's Knowledge of the Holy. And, you know, if those of you, some have read it, and they've said, Pastor Wayne, you mentioned that book, and I read it, and it kind of has the older English. It is worth fighting through because it is rich, it is deep, it is reading one paragraph and just kind of thinking about it. But Tozer is famous for saying this. He says this. He says, what we believe about God is the most important thing about us. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, the history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion. And what, he's, what, what he means by that is that your view of God, if it's a high view of God in your culture, in, the, in humanity, then it will be a high state of that culture. If you have a low state of God, then it's going to be a problematic, difficult culture to live in. Because everything comes back to what do we believe individually, what do we believe as a nation, as a culture about God. Because it's not just believing in God. What we believe is so important because simply believing that God exists, that doesn't change anything. And some of you may, may be like, oh, what does that mean? See, there are many people that say they believe that God exists. And even like, so I was going through some of the stats, and, and if, if you go on your church center app, there's a little that says Sunday service, and there, there, there will be links in there to some of this research. But the most recent research I can find is that globally right now, 84% of the world say that they believe in God. 84% say that they believe in God. And even nationally, here in the United States of America, 81% say that they believe in God. Now, how can this coexist with the fact that our world is broken, our world is divided? It is based on tribalism of separating and hate. Hate is even used in the marketing. I mean, does this reflect 81%, the majority, believing that God exists? Well, the Bible even says that Satan believes that God exists. And yet he's like a lion that's roaming, seeking to devour. Satan has no doubt that God is real. That's why the question, do you believe in God, is really not a clear question. And it's not even a question that I, I really ask anymore. A question that I'll often ask of people is, do you believe in God as he's described in the Bible? Because God wrote the Bible. He laid everything out. The Bible is, is the most researched, most factually proven book that humanity has. And I can give you lots of research on that that I won't go into today. But I mean, it is just fact after fact after fact. And research it. I'll sit with you. We'll do, I'll even do a pumpkin spice latte with you as we talk about it. 
emotions. <laughs> I know. Different emotions in the room right now about that. Because this is where things begin to change for the good. When we believe God not as we'd like him to be, but as he really is, this is when things change, when we apply this. And when it was asked, the most recent research I could find with people in America, how many people believe in God as he's described in the Bible? This number wasn't 81%. It was 56%, and I think that's a little optimistic. Right? Yeah. And this is rapidly, rapidly falling. And because this is so important, when you look at the ministry of Jesus, he was talking about God. He spent a lot of time teaching about God. He had religious people that had created their own view of God, and he was correcting them along the way. And because it's so important, one of the main things that Jesus did as he was trying to teach this to the ancient culture, that names were very important. I mean, names meant something. When you named somebody, you were saying something about it. One of the main words that Jesus used in describing God was the word Father, Abba Father. This is how he taught people to relate to God. And now, I recognize that any word that we use has been broken because we're, we're broken. And I realize the word Father is not a great word for a lot of people. It brings up a lot of just very difficult, difficult things. But I think it's important today that we restore this, that we look at how Father was meant to be and how, what Jesus meant when he said Father. Because when he talked about this word Father and he's breaking it down, Father has so many deep meanings that I'm going to just quickly go through. But first of all, Father means creator. He's the Father. He made it. He created a thing. And I mean, I mean, how many dads, you're always kind of creating stuff, right? A lot of times I'm, break, I'm fixing stuff that I broke, and then I'm trying to refix it again before anybody finds out. But what fathers are, they're natural creators and builders. And when he talks about God being father, it meant that God, he made everything. Father also means this is who you came from. This is who you were made to be like. And Genesis 127 establishes that every human being was made in the image of God, whether you believe in him or not, but that they are all image bearers. That's why if you want to see what God looks like, look at your neighbors today. But man, make sure you come here next week when we have International Fest and we welcome in the nations and we look around. And it's, it's a fuller picture of God because every nation, every tribe, every color, every variety of poutine that a nation makes, it reflects the image of God. That's a Canadian joke. That goes over big in Canada, by the way. <laughs> but Father also means family. Father means that we were made to be together. That's why I love my family in Canada. I'm there, but I couldn't wait to get with all of you and to worship and to see you and to hear what's going on and, and just, just to see what's happening. Even though we're all at different, some of, some of you I've known for decades and some of you I've, I just met today. But it's the family of God. We were, we were made to gather, and all the way through, that's why Jesus, he even gathered together with, with people who he knew would kill him because he wanted to model, we get together even when it's tough. And that's why in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, it even it continues to grow where the, the early church in the book of Acts, they were gathering together every day, talking with one another so that the kingdom of God would expand through their fellowship, through the family of God. And, and the writer of Hebrews even said, look, hold tight without wavering the hope to affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. And, he, and the writer even says, let us think of ways to motivate, to encourage one another in the act of love and good works. 
and says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Some people, they find it tough, and it is tough. It's difficult. It's challenging, but it's family. It happens here as we work through those things. It says, encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Because this is where discipleship takes place. We love one another. We encourage one another. We work things out. And I'm telling you why. In a divided culture, things going on, you walk into a community where there's unity and there's love. People unexpected and perfection. No one's even looking for that. But when they come in and they see people working it out, walking it through, and still loving, accepting, forgiving, the place of belonging, all those things that we talk about, when we walk it through, it is contagious, and you want to be a part of it. You want to be a part of it. See, all this, it's so important because it reminds us this is the heart of God. It is the heart of God. So all of this, and so much more I could say, but just suffice to say that discipleship, we've got to have a right understanding, a godly understanding of who God is. This is the foundation for it, what we're standing on. But when Jesus showed up, he made another clear distinction to this. And, and I mean, he snapped a clear line, a very strong line for those in the sand that he's saying, if you're really children of God, that discipleship is about obeying Jesus, obeying Jesus. Not just agreeing, not just nodding your head, not just posting on Facebook scriptures and stuff, which is great to do. I do that, right? But what Jesus is saying, he, he said in this passage that we read, he said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. And the promise, he said, then you, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Set you free. I mean, that's why I always say that as it relates to success, a lot of metrics for success. And we have a lot of things that we look, health metrics and things that we look at, but when it all boils down, the metrics for success is that success is about obedience. True success in your life is about obedience. Obedience equals success, guaranteed. Because here's why. There are times in your life when you'll be obeying and things will be, that's exactly how I planned it. That's exactly what I thought it would be. There are those little glimpses out there, right? But there's a lot of times, too, when you can be obeying Jesus and nothing seems to be growing. The carrots are still small. The rabbits still ate everything out there. This is what Stephanie and I are working through right now. You can do everything right. And it seems like nothing is there. But we walk by faith, not by sight. Our faith is in God. There are missionaries that will go to the mission field, and it's just like whatever they say, whatever they do, it pops up in their salvations, and things are around. And it would be very easy to go, man, look what I'm doing. Everything's working here. But what I found is that for most missionaries, they don't think that way because they look back and they go, there was a family, there was a single person that came in that gave their life and didn't see one person turn to God. But they knew that they were tilling the soil, that God was calling them to be faithful. So who was more successful, the, the person who led thousands to the Lord or the person that tilled the soil and didn't get one salvation? Who's more successful? They're both successful. Why? Because they obeyed God. They obeyed God. There are things that we tell our students 
we love our students and we, we pour into them. Some respond in the moment and some don't. But success is loving, sharing, whether they agree or not. See, this is all linked to what I had, had a professor in college that was big on delayed gratification. He's like, we do not lean into just the moment right now. We're, you know, he's like, you know, artistry is, is the, the, you know, the subtlety is the essence of artistry. It's about delaying that and seeing that for a greater good. You do the right things, you do the hard work, you lean in, and there's a greater reaping of a reward that will happen out there. That's why we need to strip off every weight, every hindrance, the things that we've been praying through. Because Jesus, it even says in, in Hebrews that for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. He endured the cross when people were mocking him, making fun of him, shaming him for that greater joy and obedience to the Father. See, this, this ability to delay gratification, even though it's difficult a lot for us, and social media just does not help, because you look and go, man, they're doing it. Their carrots are huge. Or whatever your goal in life may be. But one of the things that they find, whether it's successful companies or successful teachers, whoever you look at and go, man, they're really doing it, they'll see a common trait of delayed gratification in there, where they're not misled by the moment. They're not just looking to right now. And it doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, some of my favorite fast food restaurants out there were, were, were started by old men in their 60s. Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> See, I know you're hungry now. You're like, all right, get on, get going. See, obeying Jesus, walking in, this was the rub both then and today. And so much so that even the scribes and the Pharisees, these religious leaders, they would keep pushing through. And I want to pull out a couple of these, these, these distinctions because the distinctions of that day, the things that Jesus hit, they're coming up today. Because two key things that Jesus pushed back on as it related to obeying Jesus and walking in and to their view of God is that it typically it, 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 they were good at obeying the points of the law or the points of the Bible that they agreed with. Anybody say amen to that? When I agree with what God says, I'm in. I'm with you. I'm there. And typically, it were areas that gave them points of power, gave them points of, it looks good when you do that. But look at Jesus' words. He says, the scribes and the Pharisees, they sit on Moses' seat, that leadership seat. He says, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger. Jesus is saying, they're saying the right things, but do not follow them. There's a disclaimer there for that. Because Jesus said what? My yoke is easy, my burden is light. You're, you're walking with Jesus. You're walking in his strength, his power. They're just obeying the things that are convenient for him. But the other thing, too, that was key is that they rejected Jesus. See, instead of following Jesus, the Pharisees tried to lean into their heritage. They tried to say, Abraham's our father. Father Abraham, right? The, the, he was the leader that God called out to go into the land that he didn't know and be used of God to create the nation of Israel. And Jesus affirmed, yes, you're descendants of Abraham. And he affirmed Abraham. But in walking through, he's saying, but you missed the point. Because Jesus said, if you were really children of Abraham, you would follow his example having a life sold out to God. 
See, it's not about your lineage. It's not about your ancestry. Because here's the thing. You're already made in the image of God. You're already children of God. He's, and that's what Jesus was saying. He said, it's not just about this one little area. It's about everybody that God is gathering together, his entire family, every nation, every tribe, Jew, Gentile, whoever you are. The kingdom of God is bigger than that. Jesus is saying, no, it's about obedience. And that is why the editing of the word of God is, is a very serious offense. That when we take Jesus, when we take God, when we take the scripture, and we try to recreate it, we try to reorganize it, we try to make it things that we want it to say, we are in very dangerous grounds. I mean, look what Jesus said to them. Jesus said this to them, to their face. He said, you belong to your father, the devil. Now think about that. He said, yeah, you're, you're from the line of Abraham, but you're nothing like him. But because of the way that you're acting, that you're showing that your, your true father is the devil, and you want to carry out your father's, the devil's desires. He said he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and a father of lies. Now, he's saying this to the top religious dogs of the day, knowing they were out to kill him. But he's like, when you mess with the word of God, when you say one thing, you do something else. When you try to go through, you're not walking in the ways of Abraham, and you're not following God. Jesus, as loving and gracious as he was, you try to change the word of the Lord? That's why every week, I love studying God's word, but I'm like, God, let it be your word. <laughs> let it be your truth. Let it be accurate of what you're saying. That's why I read commentaries. That's why I get feedback from other people. It's serious. And Jesus, he didn't even stop with the Pharisees. Remember what he said to Peter? When Peter tried to change the trajectory, no, Jesus, you don't need to die. No, you don't need to do it. Even though Jesus kept saying it, he said, get thee behind me, Satan. He was like, you're not following me. You're not walking with me. This is, we're, we're not leading by committee here. We're, we're following God. <laughs> we're following God. See, only the truth will set us free. And God is the only possessor of complete truth that now he imparts to us. It doesn't matter if 81% of the world believes something differently and you say, well, I'm just going with that. God's saying, no, it's my truth. It's my word. It's my will and my way. I will help you. I will give you grace. When you sin and you ask forgiveness, I will forgive you. But it is my word. Make no mark about it. It's so important that we even see in Scripture that when these things happen, that we rebuke them. It's important that we call them out, and because we, we do this. I mean, we rebuke and call it things that are dangerous, right? With our kids, we don't let them just go to a hot stove, and we don't let them touch things that are dangerous and going through. And even for me, you know, as I was thinking about danger, I was thinking about driver's ed. And I can, I, uh, I can gladly say that now I have put all four of my children through driver's ed to the glory of God. Amen? <laughs> Amen. And they're all great drivers. But I told them all this. As we began to walk through, I said, you know what? Um, I can be the calm parent in this. I can be the chill parent in this. I can walk through. And I recognize you're going to make mistakes. There's things that are going to be tough and difficult, and we'll start slow going through. And I will never yell and raise my voice at you in this car unless you put my life at risk. 
You put my life at risk. You put your life at risk. You put the mom walking her kid across the crosswalk at risk. Then I will yell to the top of my lungs. Why? Because a life is at risk. We rebuke things that are there. Now, it's not an immediate. It starts like this. Stop, 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 right? (laughs) And that's because it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Things that are dangerous, we call out. And the same is true with Jesus. Obeying Jesus is a mark of discipleship. And in obedience, it transforms us. And it transforms us into the image of Christ. Because when we align our life with Jesus, when we align our life with the word that Jesus said he came to fulfill, our lives are transformed. But it's going to be tough. And you're going to be tempted to use the original sin. The first sin that is marked in the Bible is when Satan went to Adam and Eve and said, did God really say that? It's the oldest line in the book, and it still works today. Did God really say it? And the answer is yes, he did. We need to hold fast to it. There are even times in my development is going through that I've had people say, did God really say it? I'm saying yes. And they've said, do you fully understand it? I'm like, no. But I trust it. I lean into it. It's like your parents, right? When you're, when you're younger, your parents look like the most out of touch, the most they don't know anything, there's nothing there. But how many have realized the older you've gotten as you've had kids, you're like, my parents were genius. <laughs> they knew what they were talking about, and the things they were telling me, even things they didn't understand that were based in God's word on his truth, it came out later because they were sowing seeds that some things would pop up in a few days, in a few weeks, in a few months, in a few years, some things in a few decades. There are things I'm standing on now that my dad told me when I was a kid that are coming to my mind. Because when he speaks the word of God and his truth, The Holy Spirit brings those back to my memory. And obedience, aligning our lives with the truth, living it out, applying it, it sets us free. I mean, do you want to be free today? The world offers you momentary alleviation from the pain. Band-aids. Let's cover up that symptom. Let's just kind of push it away. Jesus gives us eternal freedom. He breaks us from the power of sin. He transforms our life. But this whole alignment with obedience, and this is the last thing, the last thing I want to share with you today, and it comes into discipleship, that because obedience is not something that we can do on our own. It's something that, you know, our natural bent is to go this way. Our natural bent is to do this. Our natural bent is to not obey God. We, we can't do it on our own. And as a matter of fact, we're often one of the biggest, our biggest opponents. We're our worst enemy. And Paul even said, the things that I know I should do, I don't do. I don't, why do I do that? That's why this step of discipleship, the one that Jesus laid out, that discipleship, it requires death. Yeah. <laughs> what a bummer. Discipleship, it requires that I deny myself. It requires that I lay it down. That's why Jesus said, anybody wants to be my follower, first thing, you got to deny yourself. Because as long as I'm trying to get in there monkeying around, I'm going to mess it up. 
There hasn't been one coach in a clutch shot when I joined on the team and had the playbook out and said, Dwayne, what do you think we should do? <laughs> no. He said, here's what we're going to do. And God does the same thing with us. He speaks to us, but as long as we get in the way, we're not going to hear anything. We're going to mess up our view of God. We're going to obey Jesus only when it's convenient, and we're going to surround ourselves with people that would say, that's okay. That's why Jesus said that it is in dying to ourselves. That's why Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And he says, now the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, who gave himself to me, but it comes from denying yourself. And here's what I've found in every situation. The more that I deny myself and I trust Jesus and I walk out, there is a fruit that pours out of that. There is a strength that pours out of that. My walk with Jesus is strengthened. My ability, the more that I obey Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, through killing this Canadian flesh, the more that I hear him the greater confidence I have that I trust. And it's hard and it's difficult. But see, the fullness of the power and the love of Jesus, it doesn't come alive in ourselves until we completely die to ourselves. They do not coexist. I need to die. I need to die. And that's, that's the hard part. You know, one of the books that I've, I've been reading... I'm reading all these authors that don't live anymore. <laughs> A.W. Tozer, love him. But the great Christian thinker, C.S. Lewis, and mere Christianity, I've been reading through that this summer. He said, Christianity has nothing to say to people who do not know they have uh, done anything to repent of and who do not feel that they need any forgiveness. What a statement. If you don't think you've done anything wrong, Christianity has nothing for you. <laughs> the greatest thing in the world, the only hope for the world. He said, it is after you have realized that there is a real moral law, and he lays that out, and there's a power behind it, and that you have broken that law, and you've put yourself wrong with that power who is God. He said, it is after all this, and not a moment sooner, that Christianity begins to talk. Wow. And see, we... We know this. I mean, if you've been going here, I mean, I, I talk about this every week, but we need to be reminded because the flesh continues to crawl and to come up and to say this, and we continue to get offended, and we continue to say, boy, did you hear what this person said? And we just, you know, all these things that we think are right, but they're not true. See, lies kill us, but the truth sets us free. That's why we're doing what we're doing today, because we need each other. It is not good for us to be alone. I mean, we need each other. We need each other. We need the body of Christ. I need you. I need to be reminded. That's why as that for our response today, it's all about what we're talking about today. It's about gathering together. It's about growing together. It's, it's about going together because all these things we've talked about, having a right belief of God, obeying Jesus, and denying ourselves. this is how we do it. We gather like we're doing right now. And we sing of the Lord and we read the scripture. We pray and we cast our burdens around each other and we confess things to one another. And we listen to the word of the Lord and we try to apply it. And we encourage one another. We get and say, how's that going for you? I know you had a tough conversation this week. I'm praying for you. How did that go? And we grow together by getting in groups. 
We have three Sunday morning groups. We have all these things that, that, that Pastor Stephanie is going to come up and talk to you about here in a little bit. And we grow together, but then we go out and we live it out. We get to go. My prayer is that this season and every season, that whether you're in Starbucks or Herkimer or Victrola or Walnut or wherever you go, and I apologize to any coffee houses that I missed. <laughs> I'd be here all day listing, listing the ones I've been to. Or grocery stores, wherever you go, walking. There are people everywhere. This community is exploding, and it's so exciting that you're praying, God, who can I talk to? Who can I strike up a conversation with? Who can I just, just walk up to and say, Holy Spirit, speak through me today? What does that mean? Who can I invite to church? Who can I invite to my group? I have a tough situation. Holy Spirit, I'm trusting you to speak to me in that moment. I'm trusting you to, that boy, even if it's a tough thing to say, I'm, I'm walking so closely with you, I know, but I want you to be active. I want you to be active in my kid's life. How many need the Holy Spirit in conversations with your kids? Or your grandkids? Or your friends? This is the application. This is our application today. And that's why this is so exciting. That we're not just people who read the word, but we live it. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to invite Pastor Stephanie to come up. And we want to talk about just, this is our response today. This is our opportunity as we head into this season. Now, this is such a special day because we're kicking off a fall season. But how many of you know, I mean, this is kind of like the symbolic start of a new year. You know, in January maybe when you start year, but I don't know. For, for me, September 1 is always the feel of the start of a brand new year. And we're getting ready for just an awesome time of seeing what God's going to do in this community. We have been having some amazing conversations behind the scenes that have filled both of us with just such renewed encouragement and excitement for what's about to happen. Mm -hmm. And so today, as we're, as we're responding, you may want to come forward for prayer. We would encourage you. Our prayer teams will be here if you would like to pray with somebody or if you'd like to receive communion. That's a wonderful way to respond. We've got fresh paper on the walls to write yeah. your prayer, your praises. It's a new season. Uh, but I would like to encourage you to respond in a couple of specific ways. One, uh, be at a counter tonight. Mm. I can't think of a better way for us to start this year than through worship and prayer. We meet in the chapel. It's a very relaxed. It's a laid back. We have this awesome acoustic yeah. band um, every month. It's typically the first Sunday night of each month, but today, you know, since last week was Labor Day, I didn't think any of you would want to be here, and we weren't here. So we're starting <laughs> tonight to kick off that season. International Fest next week. You've been hearing us talk about this. We're going to have inflatables for kids after the service. Maybe Kids of all ages. I'll say that. Kids of all ages have full yeah. permission to be uh, in that in some food booths uh, representing kind of a taste of nations yeah. out in the out in the the you afterwards so plan to stick around next week it's going to be a very special combined gathering with TLC and an opportunity for us to see that and while we're talking about what God's doing in our nations it's time to get your passports ready because missions trips are back. Yeah. We're going to be taking yeah. some field teams, and we're working with missionaries. We've already been in conversations with Mark and Sonny Rodley. Yeah. We're working on, and Sonny's here. <laughs> they're back, itinerating from Thailand. Um, they're, they're going to be here. We've been talking about uh, an opportunity in Africa, one in the Dominican Republic, and our youth. We're even looking at some possibilities for going to Central America next summer yeah. with Castile del Rey. And so it's going to be an awesome, awesome time. So there's so much to look forward to. But today, right after the service, in the lobby, you've already seen it as you were coming in, there are six different booths, 
and there are some ways that you can get involved. Do you yeah. want to talk a little about and that? And some of them are just easy. I mean, how, you know, Halloween, our trunk or treat outreach that we do, and if you've never been here, we fill up this U with cars and carnival games and roasting hot dogs. That's where I'll be. And there are people that they've never roasted a hot dog over a fire before. Mm -hmm. And nothing gives me more joy than, than teaching somebody that. But our community comes out. We meet people. There are people who have, who, are, who have come here as a part of that, people who are here today. Maybe you're like, you know what? I, I can do that one event. Go out and sign up. You can be a greeter. You, you, you can do a car. You can donate candy. You can help with a setup crew. So many ways, ways of doing that. You can be a part of one of our groups. You, you can engage in the ministry on the worship team. You can, you, you can engage in youth. We need more youth leaders. You can engage downstairs with kids and helping out. And some of these, some of these are like teaching positions, and some of these you're just coming along to help. You just need to be there. The ministry of presence is huge. Just show up. Just show up and say, you know what? I can show up and be a part of that. Uh, the tech ministry, things that are going on, we need people putting up the word of God that sets us free. And the, I mean, so much, so many booths out there, so many ways to get involved. Just pick one. Pick one. According to your time, lots of easy points, but Find something. Find some way to engage with that. Yeah. One other note. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be taking some pictures. We're working on revamping our website mm -hmm. and getting some things. So you're going to see uh, Daniel Jones walking around with a camera. Don't be surprised. We all know him. That's, this is not any surprise <laughs> to us. Uh, but over the next few weeks, we just want to capture yeah. what it's like to be in community here at Shoreline Community Church. So as we close, group leaders... If you are leading a group this season, whether throughout the week or um, on, a, on a Sunday morning, would you stand? We want to pray yeah. for you. Yeah. We have a phenomenal lineup of groups. We have three Sunday morning groups. Oasis, I think, kicked off today, right? You've worked uh, studying next through week. next week, sorry. Next week. Prophecy of Isaiah, looking at the last half of Isaiah. We have our How We Love class, Darlin. Uh, Darlin. That's, there Marlin. we go, Marlon and Diana. Darlin. Darlin yeah. Newhouse. Marlon and Diana Newhouse. That's I, like perfect. I call him Darlin. Darlin. So. <laughs> Marlon and Diana Newhouse. If you yeah. want, it doesn't matter if you're single, married, whatever. Yeah. If you need healing in an area of relational yeah. growth, um, how we love is where you want to be. And then we also have a fall foundations class that will be taking place in the chapel. It'll be team taught by, I think, eight different couples. I know you guys are teaching it. You yeah. should be standing. We're supposed to be <laughs> praying for you. Robin, Jill, Walt, we have like a team of, of eight who will be yeah. teaching that in segments. And that's a great class. You can kind of jump in and uh, experience. They're going to be going through just some of the foundational parts of faith and what it means to be baptized and uh, what, do we, what do we think about the Bible and just all of these things to help you get your roots established. Plus, a ton of groups that are happening all throughout the week. A Wednesday nights, men's group, women's group, Thursday night, young adults, Monday night at the Holmes house. There's a lot of different ways that you can get involved. Shorelinecc.com slash groups is one of the best ways to find it, or the Church Center app. You can find them, you can register, or you can sign up in the lobby today. Yeah. But we encourage you to be a part. Let's pray. And invite somebody. We're going to pray, but invite somebody. A lot of times, you know, this is, we, we have so many people that they'll come here, it's their first time. And boy, thank you for taking that step to being here. But invite someone to a group. Invite someone and say, hey, we're, we're hanging at my house, we're eating food, we're talking about the Bible. Spirit, spiritual curiosity in Seattle is on the rise. Mm, yes, People are Bible. curious, but there's just there's, that means so many things. Say, you know, yeah, we're just we're coming together. We're, we're, we're talking about the Bible. We're gonna we're gonna eat a little bit and hang out. Would you come to my house? 
I mean, how cool would that be? So I'm, I'm praying that just people would grow in boldness yes, of yes, just Lord. invite people out mm-hmm. to do that. So, Father, I pray for these leaders, and I pray for what you are about to do. I, Lord, I thank you for, Lord, all the things that you've done to prepare us for this moment. And so, Lord, for all these leaders, God, we know that the enemy would try to distract them, try to confuse them. Uh, Lord, try to just make them insecure. But, God, I pray that your confidence would rise up within them. God, that you would give them strength spiritually, Lord, mentally, emotionally, physically. Lord, that as we lay our hands to the things of God, that we would find the new strength. And, Lord, I pray that people would be encouraged to come out and to engage, to get with each other. We were not made to be alone. But, God, that we would engage, Lord, whether it's the young adults or the students or the kids or the adults, whatever it may be, God, let this be a community that we are growing tighter together, knowing each other, loving, helping one another in the way. So, Lord, bless this time and bless these leaders, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said together? This is our benediction. And before you leave, respond. Come up and pray. Receive communion. Go out. Sign up for something out there. Let's say this together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go and live for Jesus. We love you all so very much.